0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We are live in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference, talking with uh, the political and business leaders who are gathered here to take a fresh look at the challenges that face us here in the state of Michigan. I'm joined now by one of Michigan's two senators, the senior senator from here in the state of Michigan, Debbie Stabenow. Good morning. It's great to see you.
1: Yes, it's great to be here. Yeah.
0: So um, uh, let's start with uh, what is going on in the Senate. Yes. Uh, yeah. well, there's a lot of frustration that Democrats have been expressing about what is happening in the Senate and what is not happening in the Senate. Right. Uh, what's not happening in the Senate is legislation. Right, <laughs> It's kind exactly. of at a standstill. That's exactly. What is happening is judge confirmations. And right. I feel like that's a story that's kind of slipped a little under the radar. Yes. That uh, yes. That uh, Majority Leader McConnell is really pushing through uh, uh, an, an unbelievable mm-hmm. number of judicial uh, uh, nominations from the president.
1: Yes, there's no question about it. It's been two months since we've had a substantive debate really on the floor on legislation. I think there may have been one thing in two months. And, uh, and all the issues that we have. I mean, the House passed um, very important legislation to guarantee that people who have pre-existing conditions don't lose their health care. Um, our Republican colleagues all say they agree with that, but yet the leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, won't bring that up on the floor of on the, the floor, Senate. And yeah. we did a, a major push on that. The Violence Against Women's Act, which has expired over 100 days ago that funds our shelters and services and so on. Um, we last week made a push on that and he won't bring that up. So there's a whole list of things that people really care about and instead he's pushing through judges and what what concerns a number of things concern me but one is that the main criteria seems to be that they're young because these are lifetime (laughs) appointments appointments, and they literally have put people on the bench that have never actually practiced as attorneys. They are attorneys. But they've never but they been aren't practicing in the court law, right? And so um, they're just moving, moving, moving people through, and also very, very um, extreme. Uh, folks, and, uh, whether it's um, women's health care and a woman's right to choose, or whether it's uh, a, a whole range of issues, people that are uh, very extreme. And these are lifetime appointments, so we're going to be feeling the ramifications of this for the long time, which is why the U.S. Senate is so important. It needs to, uh, to flip the Democratic hands in, <laughs> to the, in
0: 2020. I mean, one of the things that I think is really interesting about what's going on now is I mean, the Senate is closely divided. It's not as though right. Republicans have anywhere close to the 60 votes that right. historically have been uh, necessary to, to just sort of run the thing the way you want to. Right. Uh, talk about the danger of the way in which we have uh, changed the rules in the Senate right. and the, some of the norms so that whichever party is in power, by however many votes they have it, uh, has far more power than they used to.
1: Well, that's really true. And um, there's always been fine tuning around the rules, always frustration about having to get 60 votes uh, to move policy forward. But that's the way you force people to come together uh, and and to listen to each other and uh, to find common ground. So what the Republican majority has decided to do is on lifetime appointments of judges to basically say you only need 51 votes on uh, the district judges or on a Supreme Court justice that will be there, you know, 40 years maybe, sure. 50 years. And then they turned around and lessened even the amount of debate time, because it used to be you had to allow 30 hours of debate and a lifetime appointment. They've now shrunk that to two hours. So can you imagine? I mean, somebody with a lifetime appointment, and sometimes you don't find out um, information around issues or uh, uh, positions that have been written about by uh, by people as attorneys and so on, for a while, it takes a, a while, and that 30 hours may actually demonstrate an issue that you didn't realize was there. So now they've shrunk it to two hours, and they're just pumping these uh, folks through that are going to radically change the courts of our, the third branch of government basically in our country.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you hear from voters uh, an understanding of the way that those things are changing or a concern (laughs) about the way those things are changing? I always feel like this is sort of high level policy debate and, and it sometimes gets lost on voters why it matters.
1: Well, the Senate Republican leader um, is doing this because he understands that um, most folks are living their lives and they're trying to make sure they've got a good job and can pay for childcare and have the healthcare they need and you know somehow send the kids for co- to college or pay off the, the student loans, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and uh, that most folks aren't down in the weeds on this. And now we do have people that understand that, that advocate and are watching closely, but in this Media world, particularly the world of tweeting and you know, the constant swirl of things going on right now, it's hard to get a focus on something that will, in the long run, have a huge impact on what happens in Michigan as well as across the country.
0: Yeah. Uh, so The fact that nothing is moving, really, in the Senate policy-wise, how does that affect things like uh, the Farm Bill, uh, something that you're really uh, intimately involved with?
1: Well, um, I was very fortunate. Um, It worked very, very hard to get that done at the end of the year. And Mm -hmm. so Senator Pat Roberts, my Republican chair, and I, I have a great working relationship and uh, we trust each other we've worked together now for a number of years and so we got that done at the end of the year and arguably i'd have to think a moment but it may be the last large uh the last thing that got uh, done uh, yeah policy (laughs) item that's been done i'm not sure that's exactly true but it may be actually thinking about it and so fortunately that's a five-year bill so that is Food so nutrition—it's unaffected, it's unaffected yeah. um, at the moment, uh, and uh, but when we look at other things, for instance, the next thing that we work on in the agriculture and nutrition committee is a five-year reauthorization of child nutrition, yeah. and that may get stuck in all of this. So I am concerned going forward that you know people expect us to work together and get things done. Yeah even when it's hard. And so I look for ways all the time. But it's a very difficult time at the moment.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you about uh, Leader McConnell. Um, I I lived in Kentucky for a time when I was a young journalist uh, and kind of got to know him uh, then. He seems like a very different Person today, and he governs in a very different way than the Mitch McConnell <clears throat> I remember uh, as a much younger senator from, from the state of Kentucky. Then, what happened?
1: You know, I, I, I'm i not sure. I mean, it's an interesting book written about him called yes. The Cynic yes. that talks about written him. Written by a great friend of mine. Yeah. You know, Alec oh, McGillis. really? Yeah. Well, I think in the book, he says something like he was pro-choice at one point. And now he's anti-choice. Yeah. He's, pro- he's moved in opposite directions. What I can tell you is... Uh, this, and I work with him, I mean, again, the Farm Bill, other things, I, I do everything possible to try to, to work with him and, and as many people as possible to get things done. But he is singularly focused on keeping power, period. So it's, he is calculating all the time. So filling these judgeships, changing the rules to move people through that are young and will be there 40, 50 years is all about keeping power. Uh, he's made a calculation about this president mm-hmm. that his caucus is better off no matter what happens, no matter what happens in terms of uh, the constitutional challenges or the issues of obstruction or the president being above the law, that his caucus is better off sticking, you know, with the president, no matter what, no matter what the facts are. So it's very calculated on getting and keeping power. And I worry about that on a lot of different levels. But um, I'm worried that that people have every right to be losing confidence in our capacity to actually govern and and solve problems. And in our democracy, people need to feel that... We can come together and actually get things done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about Asian carp. Uh, we had some sort of uh, well, we had an announcement up here. We did. Uh, by, yes. the, by the entire delegation right. about Asian right. carp. Talk about what uh, you guys are to, going to do.
1: Well, first of all, Asian carp are fish that get up to about a hundred pounds. They have no functioning <laughs> stomach, if you can imagine. So uh, they get into the water and they eat everything. They
0: just eat right. And
1: uh, and so there's nothing left for the other fish. And so they have been winding their way. It's actually a long story of getting into the Mississippi River, winding right. their way up to Illinois River. And now they are—you know we are very concerned about them getting into Lake Michigan or some other place, um, which would devastate our fishing industry, boating industry, and economy. So I've been working now for a number of years. It's been frustrating to get the Army Corps of Engineers to see that this is actually a real threat. And so put in legislation to require them to do a study about what was happening. Uh, Then they had to make recommendations. We've, We've pushed, pushed, pushed. The good news is that we finally have a specific report and set of recommendations about what to do, what's the most effective way to stop these fish. 40 miles south of Chicago, there's something called Brandon Road, Lock and Dam, mm-hmm. where all the rivers come together. Yes. So, And, and our, our delegation, on a bipartisan basis, is actually going there July 1 and going to be meeting with uh, the Army Corps as well as folks in Illinois. But we now have specific recommendations we're going to take to Congress to fund that put in place. Um, Electric barriers, a sound system—they they, uh, they call it an audible barrier. These fish respond to loud sounds. They don't like it. They don't like no. it, and they—and uh, so actually, these booms under the water, <laughs> and various things that they've tested. That they now believe are effective. And so now we just got to get this funded, get it done as soon as possible.
0: You know, uh, one of the things that I, I remember, and we've been talking about Asian carp, it seems like, for a really long time I know, in the state. I know. But it really is important to stop them from getting there. Yes. Uh, because once they're there, there really is not right. another option for, con- right. you know, holding them back from really devastating uh, Absolutely. our waterways.
1: And we've seen sea lamprey, which have gotten yeah. into yeah. the Great Lakes, other things. Yeah. Uh, And so it is very important. Frankly, we're lucky that the temporary things we've been doing the last number of years have worked to keep them out. And I think we're on borrowed time. I mean, we we need to get permanent structures. They don't stop the barges from moving through, but they're permanent technology. That will uh, hopefully stop these fish.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about some of the other state issues that uh, that have come up up here. Um, the uh, uh, the auto insurance reform right. that's got to be something that uh, that you hear a lot about, even though uh, you don't have that much to do with it as a, as a right. U.S. senator. Right. Right. What do you think of the the compromise that we've reached?
1: Well, I I know this was a tough compromise, and I really want to congratulate the governor. She's a tough negotiator, and I know she made a number of changes that are very important for people, and uh, so I think this, you know, this was the right thing to do. Um, Negotiations are never perfect, but I think, you know, she struck the right balance. I know for my own staff that live in Detroit and uh, talk to me about how their monthly auto Uh, insurance payments are higher than their mortgage or their rent. Um, It's unsustainable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. it's shocking, actually. And so something had to be done, and I think the governor brought the right values to the negotiation in terms of putting people first and uh, got the best agreement possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, In your view, does that open up... uh, more possibility to, to solve some of the other issues that, uh, that are on the table. Roads, infrastructure being, of course, a big one. That is a national issue as well.
1: Well, I certainly hope so. And it needs to be done federally and at the state level. And again, I give uh, you know a lot of uh, high marks to the governor for putting forward um, a proposal. They're, they're basically in a situation where state government has the same funding they had 20 years ago yes. for a lot of different reasons. So revenue has to be... Uh, identified also at the federal level and um, so she's moving forward and I think if if the folks that don't like it I want to know their plan because the plan can't be we're not going to fix the roads or water and sewer systems and the other thing I would say High-speed internet yes. is infrastructure. It's critical up here. I mean, as I was uh, driving up to the Grand and then stopping, as I always do, at various small towns yeah. and Grailing at the hospital. And it's Sheboygan, really amazing
0: how bad the service. It's still terrible. Is, and yeah. not
1: only that, when we when I talk to folks like in Sheboygan at the health center, they rely on telemedicine. Mm-hmm. But then they go. However,
0: how can you do that? We if can't you do have... that if we
1: don't have high-speed internet. So mm-hmm. small businesses, farmers. Students, um, I mean, this is now uh, not a not a luxury. Right, right. High-speed internet is, is absolutely essential to the economy and our quality of life. And so uh, there are a number of things that I consider to be infrastructure. And also, I should say, electric charging stations along the highway. Yeah. I mean, looking to the future, um we just need to get it done federal government needs to We're the way state behind. needs to we are, yeah. we are way behind we are the state's way behind and frankly the country is way behind China when we talk about all their concerns about China is literally spending trillions of dollars to build new airports and yeah. ports and High railroads rail lines, and uh, yeah. every, everything and we, can, we we are the United States of America <laughs> we we need to be investing you know and and it does cost dollars public i mean that's that's the reality yeah. of it. it i mean it, it, you know this isn't going to happen um, uh, without it won't putting happen in for free right it won't happen for free but it's essential and we all benefit this is one of those public purposes that we all benefit from and so we just need to figure out what's the best way the fairest way and get going
0: yeah uh, i've only got about a minute left but uh, the president was elected and said that infrastructure was one of his big ideas congress seemed to agree how come we don't have any any movement on that
1: well i've been very involved in this within 30 days of when the president took office our senate democratic caucus put a proposal on his desk he said he wanted to invest one trillion so we said, Mr. President, this is how we would do it, and we'd like now to negotiate with you. There's never been any response to that. Yeah. So I've been involved in both sort of the the one infrastructure meeting part of the leadership and then the other one that lasted 30 seconds. Right. And um, we came with a 35-page document of what we felt the priorities should be. The White House was supposed to come with what kind of funding they would accept, yeah. which they have not done. Yeah. But we're ready to do it if he wants to do it.
0: Okay. Senator Debbie Stabenow, always great to catch up with you. Thank you. You too. All right, that's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.